Well, happy Monday. Aloha. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Yanji Denise, joined by Ryan Kalei Suji. We appreciate all of you for starting your week off with us. Let us know what where you're watching from and uh, what questions you have for our very special guests. We are so lucky to have Governor David Ige giving us so much of his time this morning, Ryan. That's right. Uh, the governor being a part of this conversation since we began this broadcast and we, he joins us uh, once again now from the state capitol. Governor, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Yanji. I really appreciate this opportunity. You know, we're looking across uh, the mainland and the numbers are pretty staggering right now. Uh, you're looking at some of the numbers that are coming up. Uh, a thousand deaths now reported in the U.S. per week, a 60% increase just since uh, October, 11 million cases in the U.S., but 1 million new cases reported just last week. There's certainly a surge that's happening in the mainland and other states are beginning to go back into a lockdown. Uh, what is uh, your thoughts on some of these surging cases and the numbers happening in the mainland and how is the state sort of preparing uh, Hawaii for that? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, I think uh, all of the states across the country are very much concerned with this winter surge. Uh, you know, we do anticipate pretty much like the flu season runs that we would uh, see an increase in the number of cases um, here in Hawaii as well as across the country. You know, Hawaii is now the lowest uh, in terms of new cases per capita in the country. We're, we're now ranked 50th, the lowest state. And since we began the pre-travel safe travels program, uh, we've been pretty uh, consistent and, and, you know, the number of cases here in the islands has plateaued. You know, it ranges between uh, 70 statewide to maybe 100, 110, but it stopped, you know, the exponential increase that we're seeing across the country. Uh, so I really want to thank the people of Hawaii. You know, they, they do respond. When we ask for restrictions, they, um, they do stay away and wear their masks wash their hands and do all the things we asked of them. Uh, and I think uh, most importantly, um, you know, we've uh, brought in uh, about 250,000 visitors since we uh, started on October 15. And we have seen an increase in the number of cases uh, in the numbers that we anticipated. Um, it's um, a lot of them are residents who traveled and came back and brought the virus back with them. Uh, there have been a number of cases that are actually visitors who tested negative uh, prior to coming and then turned positive um, in the in the first few days of them being in the islands. And you know, obviously, uh, we are working to identify those uh, cases and really uh, contain them as quickly as we can. You know, of course, we have the holiday season coming up and we're going to be having, you know, returning residents. When you think about all the college students, I know a lot of people did do at home learning, distance learning, but there have been a number of people who've gone to the mainland. They'll be coming home. And just, you know, a lot of the we had uh, Dr. Emily Roberson on who's doing the contact tracing. And she really said that it's workplace lunchrooms and it's family gatherings. So looking forward to the holiday season, what are your concerns and, and what are you expecting from that? You know, we are asking uh, everyone to really put aside their traditional holiday gatherings and really do it differently this year, Yanji. Uh, you know, over the weekend, I had a conference call with our, our children and just uh, planning and talking about what it might be like for them, uh, whether they come back to the islands or not. You know, I'm telling them that they really should uh, isolate for 14 days prior uh, to their return if they're coming back. 
and so we know and we're asking everyone to not what you do normally. You know, um, we would usually have two or three family gatherings of, of 40 to 60 um, relatives uh, for all the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And this year, uh, we're not doing that. We know that having our relatives in over the holidays especially because we don't know if they've been exposed. Um, it's just something that is not good for our community. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're thinking about how can we have a virtual fa family gathering? You know, uh, it is the holidays that, um, you know, Auntie makes their famous um, baked potatoes with uh, cheese and it's everything that everybody looks forward to. Uh, and we can't do that this year. So um, sharing re recipes ahead of time, trying to think about how we can um, share with our loved ones what we've uh, traditionally done without actually being in contact with them face to face. Oh, Ryan, I Ryan, think you're, you're muted. muted here. I am. Gosh, <laughs> the number one thing here in 2020, you're muted. All right, so uh, Chad is asking, a mask mandate for all, a, a comment that he's making. And we're hearing more and more sentiments of this, people asking for clear restrictions, uh, clear guidelines, I should say, about the mask mandate. Is that something that you folks are looking at? We talked about this the last time we we're on and the process yes. about doing this, uh, going through a special session, going through the legislature. What is sort of the status on this right now? Yeah, Brian, I'm finalizing the 15th uh, emergency proclamation. And I had a meeting with all the mayors on Friday and we kind of went through in detail uh, what the state order is and what the orders would be in every county. Uh, I really want to uh, express my appreciation to all the mayors. Uh, we all agreed that it's important that we have a single message and consistent exceptions. So we are finalizing that today. I should be um, signing off on the 15th emergency proclamation. We will have the exact same language that all of the counties will be using uh, in terms of uh, those activities that would be exempted. So we will, beginning um, shortly this afternoon, have a statewide mandatory mask requirement and all of the counties will have the same restrictions and exemptions uh, so that it will be very clear about what is required and what exemptions are allowed. And it will be the same all across the state. Now, is the punishment for this going to be the same misdemeanor because of, I know you had explained earlier that there were some restrictions on your capabilities, just in your abilities to sort of mandate a punishment, but what is the, what is the penalty for violating that mask mandate? It certainly will be the same, uh, Yunji. It is uh, the only, uh, provision that is in the current law in, in terms of uh, emergency responses. Uh, so uh, those who violate would be subject to uh, a misdemeanor um, and subject to a fine assess of up to $5,000. Uh, this is a real uh, significant penalty. You know, it can go on one's uh, criminal record and really um, impact employment uh, for many years to come un unless uh, they're cleared uh, and their records expunged. So, you know, we uh, are looking at, you know, instituting a new uh, fine system is complex. There'll be lots of discussions that would need to happen in order to determine what's appropriate penalties. And 
you know, I don't think it's really conducive to doing it in a special session where, um, you know, time is of the essence and any time any change is made in proposed legislation would require a significant delay or extension of a special election, I mean, a special uh, session. You know, we want to talk a little, switching gears a little and talking about some of the conversation that's having on a national level. You know, there is a member of President-elect Joe Biden's task force that has suggested that we may need to head into look at a nationwide lockdown. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something that the state would support uh, under a Biden administration if, in fact, there is something, a call for a nationwide uh, lockdown? Uh, you know, certainly, Ryan, we would uh, we would participate in any kind of uh, nationwide uh, program. Uh, we are fortunate in the sense that we're the only state that is not contiguous with the rest of the country. Uh, and, you know, we've benefited. As I said, you know, Hawaii is the lowest per capita infections in the country uh, because of our geographic isolation. Uh, you know, many of the restrictions that our community has been willing to support uh, in terms of uh, health and safety of our community, uh, they have just not been willing to do in other parts of the country, uh, which is why they are seeing increasing uh, virus cases. Um, so, you know, I I'm feel very confident. A couple things, you know, one, a consistent policy across the country is important to isolate the virus and stop it from spreading. Uh, we need to do that. We've seen so many uh, times uh, when, uh, especially when people can drive from state to state, that uh, the virus just moves around and we see hot spots uh, just, um, you know, suppressed in Texas and then pops up in Arizona or Oklahoma or other parts of the country. And that's what keeps this virus count just keep circulating in our community. There needs to be consistent federal policy and action taken so we can stop the spread of the virus across the entire country. Um, I want to bring in a question from Nohea. It, it, she says, uh, this is at 1034, Ryan, what will it take to prioritize getting our public school students back in person learning? Uh, would love to see an elected official stand in front of a public school rather than an airport letting us know this is something they are putting dollars into. Inviting tourists back without having our kids back in school is really frustrating. Of course, we know that um, public education is a vital piece of our economy until kids can go back to in-person learning. A lot of people can't go back to work. What are you anticipating for the spring, um, you know, after the holidays? Do we think that there will be more blended learning? Especially as Ryan pointed out, we see those case counts on the mainland and um, it's hard to imagine that we're going to be having full in-person school anytime soon. Uh, Yanji, we are working with the communities. You know, we do have a new rubric about uh, reopening safely our uh, public schools and uh, all of the complex areas are looking at the um, case counts in their community and, and then planning the transition to blended learning and then ultimately to face-to-face uh, -face learning. Uh, you know, many of our educators know that of in-person learning is really uh, the best place to be. And they are um, actively balancing the interest of um, students getting back to learning uh, with the public health interest in our community. So um, you are going to see us, uh, all of the schools begin to look at uh, what it takes to bring students back on campus. Uh, you will see, and we've uh, placed a priority on the young, younger children you know, we know that it's kindergarten, first grade, second grade, 
that I should have a priority to get back to in-person learning as so much of the learning is social and interacting with uh, each other as well as um, faculty and staff. Uh, you know, we are receiving a test from um, the federal government, the new um, uh, antigen test uh, that is uh, very quick to get a result. Um, we're deploying uh, to the public schools in a way that makes sense, that allows us uh, to test our faculty and staff and students as appropriately. You know, I think all of these will uh, allow us to return to in-person learning, you know, as, as quickly as it makes sense in each, in each and every community. I want to talk now about CARES Act money. We know that the end of the year is fast approaching and that the mandate on that is that the, all, all the CARES Act money needs to be used by the end of the year. Uh, we also know that there are some programs with a little bit of a backlog. We know the rent relief program is one of those where people are still waiting to receive some sort of payment to their landlords. Can you give us an update on that program? And also overall, if you think the CARES Act spending uh, is on track to be spent by the end of the year. Uh, you know, Ryan, I think uh, different programs have had uh, different challenges, but we are uh, making significant prog progress in all of them. Uh, you know, we've uh, helped um, Catholic Charities and AUW uh, hire more staff so that they can uh, review the applications uh, more quickly. Uh, they are, bo all, both of them are processing applications a lot quicker and we are seeing uh, more monies um, flowing to uh, those that are struggling in our community to pay rents and mortgages. So, you know, we, uh, we are, we're committed to ensuring that all of the applications are uh, reviewed and uh, those that are appropriate uh, authorized so we can help those individuals. You know, we've seen a tremendous response in um, the Hawaii restaurant card. Uh, you know, more than 105,000 cards were distributed and activated. Uh, in the first three weeks of the program, we've, saw, we've seen more than $26 million flow to restaurants statewide. Uh, and the response has been just really terrific. More than 750,000 transactions uh, occurred in the first three uh, weeks of the program. So, you know, we're, we're confident that the restaurant card program will uh, distribute a lot of that money to um, the restaurants and it's the entire restaurant uh, food chain, you know, um, farmers and distributors and wholesalers that are involved in supporting restaurants as well as getting employees back to work. So, I mean, I think all of those are really good uh, results of the programs that we've um, created to help support our community. Well, and, and, and related to that, of course, is the new holiday card uh, initiative that you have launched. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And if there are any employers who are watching who want to gift these cards, um, how do they do yes, that? Yes, uh, thanks, Yanji. You know, the response has been uh, overwhelming and. You know, I think it generated a lot of excitement for restaurants who've seen, uh, you know, a significant increase in uh, spending in their facilities uh, the very first weekend that the cards were circulated. Uh, and so many of our, our great uh, community members, corporate citizens really asked the question, how can we continue that momentum? You know, we wanna encourage our, our community to invest in ourselves to really get people back to work. And so the Hawaii restaurant card, the business holiday card uh, is an effort to allow businesses to uh, purchase uh, restaurant cards that they can make available to their employees 
as uh, end of the year uh, acknowledgement of uh, the terrific job that so many of our employees are doing. Uh, in addition to that, it could be uh, given to key um, um, partners uh, in their business uh, as part of their holiday exchanges that they traditionally do. So, you know, many businesses, um, American Savings Bank, Bank of Hawaii, uh, First Hawaiian Bank, uh, Central Pacific Bank has all uh, stood up and agreed. Um, City Mill uh, and many other corporate citizens have signed up. They're, they're purchasing cards, uh, giving it to their customers and employees. Uh, and we really anticipate that that can have, um, you know, help us help ourselves uh, continue to invest in our community to, um, to create opportunities and get people back to work. You know, we want to uh, also talk a little bit about the support of the, uh, you know, the National Guard. We know that they have been used in a number of situations here throughout this pandemic. One of them is with contact tracing. We talked to uh, Dr. Robertson last week about their efforts in helping with contact tracing. But uh, again, with CARES Act money running out, uh, what will the role of the National Guard be? Will they still be able to assist in these efforts like contact tracing and like other areas where you have them at the airport? Uh, continuing and moving on because we know that this is not something that's going to go away at the end of the year. Uh, yes, Ryan, it is a real concern that I have personally, uh, and as well as all the governors all across the country, uh, you know, as co-chair of the National Governors Association Council on Governors, uh, I do have a responsibility for uh, National Guard policy all across the country. Uh, we've sent another request to President Trump to ask him to extend uh, federal support of the National Guard. Uh, most of the states have activated National Guardsmen and women, and we know how critical it is to our response. Um, you know, here in the state of Hawaii, I've had uh, two discussions already with the mayors about the fact that um, if we lose federal support for the National Guard, I do not have the resources to deploy them to the level that they are as we speak. Uh, so we are prioritizing the National Guard right now and working with the mayors to identify those core services uh, that we need to continue our fight against COVID-19. Um, just making the mayors aware that uh, come December 31st, when uh, I lose federal support, we're going to have to significantly reduce the number of guardsmen and women uh, that we have serving our community. Uh, and we're working uh, to transition those to um, to other ways of paying for those services. It's going to be difficult. We um, they have been the National Guard has been such a vital part of our response to this COVID uh, pandemic, and uh, they're irreplaceable. But we just can't afford it at this point in time, and so we'll be downscaling their activities. I want to also ask you about the inner island quarantine. Is that something that's here to stay? Has there been any thought given to lifting that now that we have seen some of the numbers sort of stabilize, if you will, uh, or is that something that is just the new normal here in Hawaii? Um, you know, we are, are going to be uh, keeping that in place at least for a couple more weeks, you know, in discussing it with uh, Mayor Kawakami, Victorino, and Mayor Kim on Hawaii Island. You know, they do continue to have a concern about the number of cases here on Oahu uh, and about restricting the spread to the neighbor islands. You know, as you know, we did uh, expand the pre-travel testing program uh, and we now have uh, trusted partners here on Oahu 
that can provide tests and administer the tests uh, so that those who come here can travel to the neighbor islands and uh, be exempted from uh, the quarantine requirements. So, I mean, I do think that that helps a little. Uh, as we see the uh, virus counts normalize in all of the counties, uh, we will again reconsider just dropping the inter-island quarantine altogether. Uh, but it's pretty clear that it does serve a purpose. It does limit the, the travel between the islands at this point in time. And it does help to manage the spread of the virus uh, between Oahu and the neighbor island counties. You know, and speaking of the mayors, we know that you are working very closely with all four mayors uh, right now. And two of these counties will have new mayors come uh, next in a few months, actually, in, in January with the, with the uh, new administrations coming over for Hawaii Island and for the sitting county of Honolulu. Have you had any discussions with the new mayors? And uh, what, how do, would you describe sort of your relationship moving forward with some of these new mayors that will be taking over the lead for their counties? Yeah, thanks for that question, Ryan. You know, I did have the opportunity to uh, speak over the phone on election day, as well as the day after to both um, Mayor-elect Blangiardi and Mayor-elect uh, Roth uh, of Hawaii County. Um, and um, generally um, had told them that I look forward to the partnership uh, in working with them. Uh, as you know, Ryan, I'm a pretty collaborative uh, leader and uh, you know, from uh, emergency response uh, perspective, you know, we did uh, provide a briefing to the, both of them on COVID-19 and the way that the emergency response system does work. Uh, and, you know, there are many uh, areas that we're working, uh, homelessness, um, as well as uh, just uh, construction projects that, um, that support both state and county functions are just a few of the over overlap areas. And uh, I did meet personally um, with uh, Mayor-elect Blangiardi this uh, last week, uh, and I'm scheduled to meet with uh, Mayor-elect uh, Mitch Roth uh, early this week and, you know, continue to, to work with them. And uh, I pledge to them uh, my partnership to really serve the community, um, the communities that they represent uh, to the best that we can uh, working together. I just want to ask you one more time about the mask mandate, because I think that uh, a lot of people may be joining us late, and I think this is a, a significant development. So this is your 15th emergency proclamation. I just want to make sure I got the facts right. And it's going to be something that you're unveiling today. Is it? Yes. Is there anything that changes? I mean, let, let us know sort of what is the what is the mandate? Right. What are the actual rules? And uh, and what are the what's going to be different about this, if you will? Well, so a couple of things, and I just wanted to be clear that there currently is a statewide mask mandate, and it has been in place since since uh, August or probably late July. Um, the the one difference is that uh, on Friday we did uh, meet with all the mayors. We went to the specific language that all the counties use to to implement, define, and enforce the mask mandate. Uh, and we uh, all agreed that one, it should be the same in all of the counties. Uh, and we did agree uh, in principle to what that would be. So um, I'll be signing later on today, the mass mandate would be something like this. And I apologize, I don't have the language in front of me that it will be required for everyone in the state of Hawaii to wear a mask when they're in public, period. Um, and 
uh, that there are exceptions and the exceptions are these and we'll list the exempt exceptions uh, that would be allowed and as I said it will be the exact same set of exemptions uh, that would apply in all of the counties so that there will be a consistent enforcement uh, from county to county to county. Okay, we know that uh, our time is wrapping up here, but wanted to give you an opportunity uh, maybe to just kind of give a final word as we sort of head next week into the Thanksgiving holidays. You know, we're seeing what's happening again on the mainland and what other governors are doing. I know your friend, Governor Ensley, uh, who you will be speaking to after this conversation, Governor of Washington has instituted uh, sort of a restriction on Thanksgiving gatherings, saying that if you're gathering with your uh, someone outside your household, you have to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, what are your statements, I guess, to residents as we kind of go into Thanksgiving and other gatherings moving into the season? And, and how do we continue to keep the numbers here in Hawaii uh, low and comparatively what we're seeing on the mainland? Yeah, I just want to remind uh, everyone that uh, we can only be successful in fighting COVID-19 as a community. And we all need to do what we can to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Uh, we are seeing more and more that the cases are spread in very informal uh, settings. You know, at work, it's being spread in the lunchroom as people take a break or the break room where they let their guard down because it's people they're familiar with. Uh, but just want to know if you if you don't know for certain that someone is negative or if you don't know for certain that they have not been traveling or exposed themselves to anyone who may have been infected, then I think uh, we all need to assume that they are infected and we need to keep our distance. We're asking everyone to celebrate the um, Thanksgiving holiday um, amongst your family as, as primary, unless you're certain that those you uh, are inviting are not infected with the virus. And, and clearly we're asking people if you're invited to uh, a ce Thanksgiving celebration with people that uh, you don't know if been traveling or don't know for a fact that they are not exposed or infected, then uh, politely we should be declining those invitations. We are getting to a very critical part and we all know that the holidays are special celebrations that we all cherish. Um, we can, uh, if we can put those traditions aside and find new ways to celebrate the holidays, that doesn't put our family and the community at risk, we will all be better off in the long term. Uh, and I do wanna thank the people of Hawaii because they have paid attention and they've put on their masks, they've restricted their interactions, they've stopped giving lays, they've stopped the face-to-face -face, uh, interactions that we all thrive on. And I appreciate it and that's why Hawaii is the lowest uh, in the country in terms of the prevalence of COVID-19. And if we can sustain that through Thanksgiving, through Christmas and through New Year's, uh, we can exit this very critical period in a very strong position to get people back to work and restore our economy so that we can all get back to the new normal that is COVID-19. Okay, Governor David Ige, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time this morning. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you all, Ryan and Yanji, and, and thank you to all the people of Hawaii. I really appreciate everyone being committed to fighting COVID-19. Aloha. All right, thank you, Governor.
So Ryan, some big news there. Of course, uh, something that a lot of people have been calling for, some uniformity on the mask mandate. As the governor did mention, we've had a mask mandate in place since the summer, but this is making it the same on every island. And basically, if you're in public, you have to wear a mask. Uh, that That is kind of going a step further because there had been this language about, well, if you were six feet away from someone and whatnot, and now it's very clear sort of line in the sand. Uh, he did note that there will be some exemptions, and my understanding is that the it's likely for uh, young, young children and for uh, people with medical conditions. But absent that, we are all going to be required, as we really have been, to wear a mask. And if you're not, you can face a misdemeanor charge, which is up to $5,000 in fines and uh, up to a year in jail. Yeah, so we'll look for that official announcement again coming out. He, he's saying that he was able to talk to the mayors about this and, and there has been some calls for this and we were kind of expecting some sort of announcement on it. But as he said, he's expected to sign that later today. Also interesting to note about uh, CARES Act funding uh, when we asked him that question and also about what's happening with services like the National Guard. Obviously, there is a demand for the need of National Guard and what they've been able to provide with these services that the state provides to assist in areas like contact tracing and their assistance at the airport. Uh, when the end of the year comes and that CARES Act money runs out, uh, the governor said that they have put in a request to the Trump administration for continuation of that to be able to allow for the National Guard to continue to assist in this area. But should that be removed, uh, he's saying that the state will not be able to financially support the National Guard in these areas as it currently is. So it's something that they are looking to prioritize as well as they sort of look to what next year looks like as this CARES Act funding sort of dries up and, and comes to an end. Yeah, and I know a lot of you had some unemployment questions. So we will be having the head of the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations on next week. She's joining us on Wednesday, always a very popular guest, Anne Pereira Estacquio. Uh, she's going to be taking your unemployment questions. So that's why we save those for that. Um, but just interesting to hear the governor say that Hawaii has been doing the right thing. So our numbers are the lowest in the country. That is good news. But of course, that comes at huge costs financially and otherwise. And so we'll be talking to uh, the head of the Unemployment Labor Division uh, about what resources are available and especially for those who are still waiting and how frustrating that can be, how to cut through some of that red tape. Yeah, we'll also be talking uh, on Wednesday to Peter Ho, the chairman, president and CEO of Bank of Hawaii. He has been an active member of uh, the COVID-19 task force, as well as the COVID POW initiative. He's going to be talking about what's happening uh, on the state's initiative to help to restart the economy in areas in which the private sector has been working with public officials to sort of uh, shore up some of these areas and services. Uh, also joining him on the conversation will be David Matlin. He will also be joining us, of course, the athletics director at the University of Hawaii. A big announcement coming from the University of Hawaii last week about the renaming of the Stan Sheriff Center. We'll talk to both of them about that, but also to athletics director Matlin about what the future of athletics looks like going into 2021. A number of collegiate sports put on hold and, and sort of their seasons postponed, looking to restart uh, in the new year, how the University of Hawaii is sort of getting ready for that and what that will look like for fans as well as for the student athletes. We'll be talking to both of them again on Wednesday. Yeah, and then we've got Dr. Green, uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green on Friday. He, of course, is heading up the uh, Trans-Pacific Travel Testing Program here in the islands. He's also in charge of the vaccine rollout, if and when that is available to residents here. Um, and he's always a very popular guest, always gets lots of questions. So we look forward to speaking with him on Friday. We thank all of you for starting your week out with us. Again, Peter Ho and Dave Matlin will be joining us Wednesday right here at 1030. So we do hope to see you then. Ahoy ho. See you then.